Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And today we are closing out our theme week of Itty Bitty Teeny Weeny, You're a Psychopathic Meanie special. It's going to be an Amber case today. Before we get started, though, I want to say I hope you guys are enjoying that our voices sound as smooth as some Soft, butter on a warm butter. piece of toast. Because we were surprised by my sweet husband with a sound mixer and new microphones randomly. That was so nice of him. It really was a big thank you to him. I don't think he enjoys listening because he, frankly, hears my voice enough that he uh, probably doesn't want to listen to our hour and a half long episodes of me talking. I will say that's his loss, but <laughs> it was still a nice For gesture sure. either way. He showed us that he supports us this way, he did. though. So that was he very did. sweet. We had to give him a little shout out, so... Thanks a lot, Maddie Matt. Okay, Amber, what do you have for us today? All right. So I'm actually glad you did the intro because I had noted our special name and I actually had psychopathic weenie. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is a psychopathic weenie. It's still fitting. Meanie, Um, weenie. Yes, I have the second case in our tiny people with huge cases. Tiny killers, huge crime. So today's case is a big one. It's probably one of the most well-known cases around, and we usually steer clear of doing too many of these because they've just been covered so many times. But Tiny Serial Killer Week wouldn't be the same without Tiny Charles Manson. Ah, yes. I agree. When we were talking about all the different tiny people that we could have covered, I do feel like to not cover him would have been not doing our podcast justice. I completely agree. Isn't he 5'2"? I found some varying information, and this could just be Charles trying to make himself sound a little taller. But What, they do that? (laughs) I know, crazy, right? (laughs) What I found was that he was a whopping 5'2", but there's articles where he's trying to sound like he's a little bit taller, like maybe 5'6 or Mm 5'7". But I would say overall the most information I found He's about 5'2". Right, right. And if you see pictures or videos of him from that time, he is small. He is a very small man. Yeah. And I think we had mentioned before he is about your size. And that is accurate. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, I'm 5'6". I love it. My kids catch me if I say something like, oh, I'm 5'2 and a half. Oh, where did the half come from, mom? No, you're not. (laughs) Like how these men try to get like Pee Wee trying to claim he was 6'2". Yeah. It's so funny. I, I thought of Pee Wee in this too because I, I felt like he was trying to add a couple inches to his <laughs> They always add yeah. inches. We <laughs> they can always tell. want inches. Guys, we can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the clips that I found when I was researching it referred to Charles as a dangerous little man. And I thought that was pretty fitting. Yeah, so absolutely. We're gonna you call him that dangerous little man. He was a dangerous little man. <laughs> 
So as with most cases, I'm going to give you a little bit of the, the background information on uh, Charles' childhood. Charles' childhood, that really... That is kind of weird. Yeah. It's a <clears throat> Charles' tongue childhood. twister. All I can think of is Charles in charge, and it's not the oh, same. Oh, yeah. I loved that show, though. So this will help you, obviously, gain a better understanding of some of the behaviors and why... He turned out the way he did. I'm going to just say that Charles' upbringing and childhood, it really hurts my soul. I know you're not surprised. Uh, no. <laughs> but it does I know you'll never stop having soul. pity for the abused children that then turn into horrific people. Yes. And I do want to say I don't condone what he did. It does not excuse it, but he did have a pretty rough upbringing. Charles Manson was born on... November 12th, 1934. Oh, he's a Scorpio like me. Also, fun fact, that's my brother's birthday. Oh. I should text him and I let th- him You know should. That. You absolutely should. <laughs> he has a, a birthday with someone else. You should also just tell him, this explains a lot. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do that when we're done. So his mother was a 16-year-old girl named Kathleen Maddox. Charles' father was a transient laborer, and he never met his biological father. I don't believe he ever had any encounters with his father at all. There are reports that Charles' mother, Kathleen, was a sex worker. However, Charles denied that. Hmm. Again, not completely sure where the truth lies, but there's some reports that she was a sex worker. What year was he born again? I'm sorry. I was paying attention to the fact that he was a Scorpio. (laughs) I understand. Um, He was 1934. Okay. Yeah. See, the... All those same times of the last few cases. Born in the 30s. Mom is a sex worker. And we have another California uh, case. Fruit and nut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Another California I fruit and nut. I should have looked into my fruits and nuts for this, but I, I, know. I didn't. I bet he's in there. Because um, there's, so, there's just so much info. From the very beginning, Charles was unwanted. His mother didn't even bother giving him a name when he was born. Oh, shit. And she actually signed his birth certificate as no name. And oh, I remember this. Yeah, he yeah. didn't even leave the name of the hospital. And I believe for the first year of his life, he did not have a name. He was just no name. And Even Pee-wee had a name. I know. It wasn't his real name, but it but was at least, Pee-wee. Yeah, he had Pee-wee to go by. That really tells you that she did not... I mean, she didn't call him anything. Yeah. Yeah. So from the beginning, he, there was, you know, he was rejected. I believe to this day, the birth certificate still says no mm. name. Aww. No name Maddox is what is on it. Okay. Charles ended up getting his name of Manson from William Manson, a man that Kathleen had married a little bit later on down the road. Unfortunately, William didn't stick around very long. He left the family pretty quickly, but Charles kept the last name. Shocking. Kathleen sounds like such a peach. I can't imagine why. Right. And I don't know if him coming around is where they decided to finally give Charles a name. Okay. But he did end up getting the name of Charles around that time as well. According to Charles Manson's family, his mother traded him for a pitcher of beer when he was a baby. I remember that Can now, you too. Even, I, I can't even believe I like it. beer, but right? I love my kids. Not even... <laughs> I'm really glad because <sighs> Kathleen did not. Um, um, I, I had forgot so much of how messed up this story is. Yeah, there was just, to me, reading all of this, there was no value of him as a child. She had no motherly instinct. Kathleen was in a restaurant striking up a conversation with a waitress, and Charles was sitting on her her lap as a baby. 
And the waitress made a comment like, oh, I've always wanted kids. You know, he's so cute. Something along those lines. And Kathleen was basically like, a pitcher of beer and he's yours. And so the waitress. How many pitchers was she in at this time? I'm really curious about that, too. Yeah. But the waitress jokingly brought a pitcher over and sat it down. And I'm guessing Kathleen chugged that one. Right. And then she snuck out of the restaurant and left Charles there. For the waitress. Wow. Well, a deal's a deal. A deal is a deal. And I'm really under the impression she was not going to come back for Charles. It was a couple days later, and his uncle found out what Kathleen had done. Had right. done. I think it was her brother. Yeah. And so he actually went back and got Charles from the waitress, but his mom And the was, waitress just took care of this baby for a couple of days? I guess so, yeah. Bless I guess her heart. She really was going to keep him. And right. Heck, maybe that would have been better. Who knows? I know, yeah. Anyway, he, he did go back to his mother at that point, and Charles' mom was an alcoholic also, so she would be out drinking for days at a time, and Charles had to fend for himself quite a bit growing up. This news up. does not shock me. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's reports of her just being with various men and and going out binge drinking quite a bit so do we know was it even top shelf beer or was it just like tap you know it was probably PBR. crappy cheap she probably didn't even hold was out was natty some... light a thing back then oh gosh i don't know oh just the, that name makes me shudder a little so, bit so yeah so poor little baby charles was home mm-hmm. alone By a lot, fending for himself a lot there's also some reports that charles uncle would dress him as a girl Mm-hmm. My soul leaves my body as I talk about these yeah. things little by little. Why do we keep dressing boys as girls? I know this has come up quite a few times already. If they want cases. to dress up like that, awesome, fine. But forcing them to, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. Maybe we just haven't found cases yet where girls were being forced to dress as boys. But I'm sure that that I'm, was happening yeah, I'm too. I'm sure they're out there. But again, if they want to do that, okay. Don't yeah, force totally them. fine. But so the reasoning behind... Charles being dressed as a girl is because he was a really sensitive kid and he would cry and he was so emotional. So was this done like as a punishment for just his natural personality? Yes. So his if uncle. If you want to act like a girl, I'm going to make you dress like yep, a girl. That's oh, exactly what it was. Off, his uncle. uncle was like, you know, oh, if you're going to be emotional, I'm going to, you know, you can dress like a girl. Yeah, because boys aren't thing. allowed to show emotion. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, again... I don't like him either. I don't either. I At first, I thought, okay, maybe Uncle was maybe reasonable. Right. But then nope. I read that later on about the, the dressing as a girl, and I was kind of... I was over him. Charles' family was obviously really poor. They didn't have much money. And I read a story that he, one year, didn't get anything for Christmas. And I'm assuming this probably was multiple years, but... I'm sure. Um, this specific story talked about... He didn't get anything that year except a hairbrush from his grandma. And she told him, if you brush your hair with this, you'll be able to fly like Superman. And so Charles believed her. And so he was frolicking around town, you know, brushing his hair and thinking he could fly with this brush. And I guess, you know, other kids saw him and thought he looked ridiculous. And so they were making fun of him and ridiculing him. And that just broke my heart, too, because this poor kid got nothing except this one hairbrush. Apparently, and I don't know the specifics of this, if he returned to school, like, after Christmas, but he realized his other classmates had gotten like way more for Christmas. Sure. And they had all these toys and they had, you know, all this stuff that they had gotten. Well, this made him really jealous. And so Charles was really angry about this. And he almost thought the kids were mocking him because they had all of these 
toys and gifts. This was actually the first act of violence that was recorded oh. for Charles. Okay. He ended up taking all the toys that he could find from the other kids, gathering them up, and he lit that shit on fire. Damn. If he doesn't get toys, you no. don't get toys. Right. <laughs> so, Holy I mean, shit. Fire, though. And again, not justifying what he did, but this poor child didn't yeah. get anything, and he's you know, seeing these other kids that are loved and getting gifts. And so he was not having it. Damn. Charles' mother was also involved with a robbery when Charles was only five years old. Kathleen ended up getting, now I found two different pieces of information. She either got five years in prison or 10. Okay. There were two different time frames. But either way, she was gone from his life for quite a few years when he was younger. And so he went to live with his aunt and uncle during that time. So when Kathleen got out of prison and she obviously went back for Charles, I don't even want to say obviously, I'm surprised she did. Yeah, me too, actually. Around this time, Charles had started to exhibit some behaviors. He was getting in trouble. He was defiant. You know, his only support, which we know wasn't much support, had been absent from his life. Right. So at this time, he's either 10 or 15. It just depends on if she yes. served five years or ten years. Correct. Okay. All yep. right. So, so somewhere in that adolescent stages. Okay. Correct. When Kathleen got out, she found Charles again. And Charles recaps on this moment as one of his sole happy childhood memories. His mom actually gave him a hug. And I think it was like the only time oh. that he recalled that his mom showed him affection. He refers to that as the only happy childhood memory that he has one hug yeah one hug so it was it sounds like she was actually somewhat decent to him in that very brief moment and he really just held on to that Mm -hmm. as we had mentioned kathleen was not mother of the year the decade no awards given no to this woman she doesn't even get a participation trophy no she would not even get like she didn't even participate to participate (laughs) So she knew she couldn't take care of Charles and his behaviors were starting to increase. When he was around the age of 13, she was actively trying to get him into foster care. Can you okay. imagine your mother is looking around trying to get you into a home a to adopt? A different home. Yeah. You know. After you share one beautiful hug together. Yes. He got one <laughs> hug and that was it. So his his mom was like, I can't afford him. I can't take care of him. She couldn't actually get him into foster care, so she ended up finding a place that she could put him, which was, and I don't know how to say this, so please forgive me, it's the Gibalt School for Boys. It's G-I-B-A-U-L-T. Yeah, that's how I would pronounce it. Doesn't mean it's right, but that's how I would say it. (laughs) It it feels right, so we'll go with it. That's how I would mess it up too, Amber. It's fine. So Charles was actually, he was miserable there. He really struggled and he reported that his only decent moment there and and happy moment was the sporadic visits from his mother. So she would come once in a while, promise to take him home when she had more money. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, that did not happen. Right. Shocking. So after about 10 months in reform school, Charles could not take any more. He escaped from the, the school and he went back to his mother's house. Okay. And he begged her to let him stay and give him another chance. And oh, she give refused. Him another chance like he did something wrong to yeah. even end up there. Yeah. 
he wanted to be with her right. and she closed the door on him she was like i can't take care of you mm. she sent him back okay again i know my soul my heart breaks too but you can't turn into a murderous no, you can't tiny bastard you can't Just he was a dangerous little man right he was just because your childhood sucks. So he did return to reform school briefly, but he never lived with his mother again after that. That was the last time Okay. he tried and she never came back for him again either. He was in reform school again for a short time, but he hated it so much that he busted out again. He was still about... I would say 14. In all of these cases, are you surprised at how easy it is for them to escape reform Very. school? It's and happened in every serial killer case that we've had. Yes, they've all escaped. They and do. also, we talked about this before, that reform schools were absolutely oh, horrible. Yes. I mean, I think we probably have an idea of what he was going mm -hmm. through. Yeah, especially being small in stature. Yes. He was a target, I'm sure. Absolutely. This time when Charles busted out, he starts committing crimes so he had started committing a series of robberies and he was targeting every store in the area and he was trying to save up enough money to get his own place so he's sure. he's out there fending for himself trying to you he's know not robbing out of maliciousness he's robbing out of survival. survival yeah obviously he didn't have very many skills to make it on his own he was caught stealing a bicycle and sent back to reform school but he broke out again within 24 hours <laughs> i think it's easier for the little ones to break out it must have been he was i'm assuming small at the beginning because he's just a tiny person right so there must have been some door window something he could escape Trash from can, like yes. Pee Wee did yes so charles was sent to another place called indiana boys school and he also escaped there twice he was absolutely miserable and he did confess the reason he kept escaping was because he was being beaten and sexually abused by the other boys right Guards were raping boys. Mm -hmm. Guards were turning their heads from mm -hmm. boys raping other boys. So it was, <sighs> it sounds pretty horrific. That being said, Charles also was exhibiting violent behaviors himself. There was record of him raping an eight-year-old boy with a razor to his neck. Mm. So Charles was, you know, starting to take on He's some of these things delinquent. he'd seen. Mm -hmm. So there was a priest that apparently tried to intervene and sent Charles to another place called Flanagan's Boys Town. This was meant to be Manson's big chance. And there was even articles that covered him going to this place and the article said dreams come true for Rad. Oh, like it was this yeah, big deal I remember yes yes so yeah this priest had saved him when you say flanagan's all i can think of is an irish pub <laughs> i know it's really kind of a weird name for a boy's home it is i agree it should be a pub maybe we should note that as an idea I if think it's not already <laughs> right if the podcast doesn't take off note to self right open a flanagan's, flanagan's pub <laughs> Unfortunately, dreams did not come true. At this point, Charles was already pretty emotionally scarred and damaged. Yeah, it's not Disney World. Yeah, he'd already been raped. He's, right. you know, he's pretty scarred. So his behaviors continue. He's learned how to be violent to get his ways. Yeah. So Flanagan's did not save him. Okay. And so behaviors returned and eventually he was kicked out of this place as well. Okay. Charles spent most of his adolescent years in institutions he was in and out the part that he struggled with the most in reading is that his mom just didn't want him and the psychologist who evaluated charles contributed many of his problems to the strained relationship with his mother and you the know sorry to interrupt oh, you no, but all the years that i worked cps i could see time and time again how no matter what the parent was doing to the child the child never wanted to be removed from the parent 
Oh, no. They love their parents no matter what they in do. some way. It, yes, absolutely. Even if it's an unhealthy way, they still have love for right. their parents. Yes. And that's something that I think is very difficult for people to understand. This person is treating you like shit. Why would you want to be with them? I've spoken with a lot of adults that say that about children, and I can almost always turn it back around to them and say, okay, well, remember when you were dating that person that was very unhealthy for you? Why didn't you just leave immediately? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there's a part of you and that still wanted to be with that person, that loves that person, and just the fear of the unknown. Charles knew being with his mom, no matter how bad it was, it was still better than reform school. Yes. And I think there was even indication of that. Like he hated reform school and his mother was no, you know, nurturing type no. of parent, but it was still better. But than... he wasn't getting raped by guards. Exactly. The psychologist even noted that the amount of rejection, instability and psychic trauma that Charles endured. Do you mean psychological trauma? I do. Okay, because you said psychic trauma, and I was like, oh, he's psychic? He has psychic powers, too. Plot twist. That would be handy. Psychological trauma. I even have psychic trauma on here. (laughs) My bad. So because of the psychological trauma... Not Not the psychic trauma. Okay. (laughs) Charles was constantly trying to impress other boys for approval because he just didn't have that from from his parents. Another interesting piece of info is that he had like an IQ test done in prison and he was actually really smart. Yeah, I remember that. His IQ score was 109, which that's a pretty solid score. Mm -hmm. However, he couldn't read or write hardly at all. He was never really taught how to do those things. And even being in reform school for all those years... I mean, it sounds like he was just pretty much trying to survive. Right. So he didn't have those skills. However, he was really intelligent. Hmm. Imagine what maybe he could have turned out to be. I know. He had just been nurtured. So by the time Charles was an adult, he had already spent half of most of his life in prison. Um, mm. Prison or boys' right. homes. Same thing. schools. <laughs> yeah. He was actually, when he was released from prison in 1967, which we'll go through all of those events as well, but he begged to stay. Because Aww. he he knew he, he wasn't. He didn't know anything else. Yeah. And honestly, it, that's shortly before everything happens. So it's like, well, if you would have let him stay. Right, right. <laughs> the man wanted to stay. He knew he wasn't equipped to be outside prison walls. He had no skills to do that. And so he actually wanted to stay there. But they were like, nope, your time has come. In between a few of his stints in prison, he actually did meet a girl. He was about 20. She was 15. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they got married and her name was Rosalie Jean Willis. So there's a photo from this wedding that I found and it's probably one of the only times I actually saw him looking like kind of happy and normal. Oh, okay. So I, again, I'm, we're kind of like, ick because mm-hmm. the girl's 15, but, you know, they, they did get married and he actually, you know, wanted to kind of get his life together at that point and be married and um, she got pregnant and so they had a child together this was like the brief period of time that charles was trying to make his life a little bit better right that didn't work out so well because he was he was on probation for one of his other crimes i found some conflicting information one article said that he failed to report for probation okay another article said that he was driving a stolen car and he got caught Either way, he went back to prison for three years. Oh, shit. For, you know, he got caught and he was sent back. Early so, on in their marriage? Yes. Mm. Yep. I believe she had, I believe she was pregnant. Rosalie was pregnant right. at the time. And she had the baby when he was 
locked up. Okay. So it sounds like she did visit him in prison for a while. And apparently his mother did too. Oh. Nice of you to show up How now. nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because now she knew that there was no possibility that she could be held legally responsible for him and financially responsible. and Exactly. And I don't know. I wanted to dig in a little bit more, which I might in the future. But was there guilt there or remorse at all for, for right. his upbringing? I'm not sure. But she did visit with Rosalie, I guess, a few times. However, Rosalie ends up meeting another man. Of course. They always do. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. It's hard to love a man on lockup. <laughs> yeah. I believe Charles' mom is the one that broke the news that, hey, you know, oh. Rosalie's leaving you. Oh. And Charles Great. was obviously like. It gets to come from Kathleen. Right. Of Jesus. course. I know. I thought that too. Like of all the people. Right. The person that wasn't there for you gets to deliver the devastating news. Yeah. Obviously, Charles is pretty crushed. And, you know, at that point, he was just like, screw it. Yeah. Um, there was my one chance. Yeah. And having a nuclear typical family, it's not going to work for me. So I might as well just do it in a big way. I really feel like that was kind of how he felt. Yeah. Um, he was going to try and then be good at something. And if it's fucking up, so be it. Rosalie met this other man and she ended up changing the baby's name because originally the baby was Charles Jr. Charles Manson Jr. But she ended up changing the name to be similar to the new man's name. I believe it was Jay White. I thought I had noted it in here. So he didn't even end up keeping. Okay. Okay, Maybe in hindsight, that's okay. Right. But. In the long run, it probably was a good choice. But he he never saw Rosalie or his child after that. After she left with the other guy, he was, again, just like, okay. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Peace out. So he never made any effort to mm-hmm. have a relationship with that child. So as much as we wanted to take a moment to grieve for young, little, tiny Charles. Um, the moment has come that we need to let over. that go. Okay. Yeah. So in 1958, Charles was on parole and he had divorced from Ro- Rosalie at this time. From the article that I found, apparently after he was out again and did his time, he was pimping out a 16-year-old girl, and he was receiving additional support from a girl who apparently had a wealthy family. Okay. So he was not doing good things when he got out of that three-year stay in prison. Then in 1959, he pled guilty to trying to forge a check that he had stolen from a mailbox, and he received a 10-year suspended sentence, and this is so odd to me. This girl named Leona, who had been arrested for prostitution, which I don't know if there was a connection. I'm assuming there was. So she made this tearful plea to the judge that she was deeply in love with Charles. They were both deeply in love with each other. They were going to get married, basically begging that if he was to be released, they would get married. And I guess the judge was like, okay. Huh? So they suspended his sentence so he could have a chance at going and living a nuclear family i guess question mark yeah (laughs) the fuck he did get out they suspended the sentence he took leona and they did get married they did get married nice of her to keep up that end of the bargain right there was some follow-through after they got married he took leona and he took another woman or girl so they headed down to Mexico with the purpose of prostituting. Okay. So they're down in Mexico. He did get busted and the police were questioning him. They let him go, but Charles kind of knew there was more to the investigation that it wasn't over. So he kind of took off. Sure. Probation violation or parole violation yep. at the time. So he did end up getting that tenure 
prison sentence. Oh, so he's back the in prison. one that what was her name? Leona. Leona. That Leona had w- worked so hard to yeah, get him out if of. They just would have stayed out of the uh, the prostitution. No scene, kidding. Maybe he could have had another. Charlie, break. Charlie, so he's Charlie. Had a couple chances. Too. I would say so. You know, but get your act together, little man. Again, probably just trying to make dirty money. The only ways he knew how, yeah. I'm not really sure. But so he's back in prison for ten years. In 1963, Leona filed for divorce from Charles. Oh. And so she was granted that, but she also had a son by him who was named Charles Luther. Okay. I'm not sure what the relationship. I don't know that there was much of a relationship with that child either, if okay. any at all. In 1967, Charles was set for early release from prison. And we mentioned at the beginning, this is when he had begged to stay. He knew he wasn't equipped to be out. Okay. So he was like, I, you know. I'm going to go back into the prostitution ring. And we're going to do it, guys. (laughs) You let me out of here. (laughs) You better let me stay. It's not going to be pretty. Yep. He was was set free. He was actually really into music. And he tried to pursue a musical career. I remember reading that. So when he got out of prison, he tried to kind of make it into the music scene. And he played for a few well-known artists, but he couldn't really spark much interest from anybody. Because he was a tiny little weirdo. Because he was a dangerous little man. He was. They could sense it. (laughs) But apparently Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys did take notice of Charles. Several of his ladies, which had apparently started to follow him at that time, Mm -hmm. he let them come stay at his mansion because it sounds like they were making some music together and Mm -hmm. Charles was kind of working on his music. But then they started to cause trouble at the mansion, so... Dennis is like, you gotta go. You and your horde take, ladies have to yeah, go. Take your hose and go. Yes. <laughs> so he did boot them out of the mansion. He's starting to get some followers at this time. Some females yeah, that were like. Something that you would even see today. He still has followers. He still has followers. Mm-hmm. Makes me question mm-hmm. some things about life. Yeah. Charles was taking on this persona of this guru and speaking you know, yes, deep philosophical, you know, little man, <laughs> deep thoughts, deep thoughts, <laughs> big thoughts, big, big thoughts. And so women were just like gobbling oh my gosh, it up. my panties. You're so smart. <laughs> like it was. So these people were just <laughs> eating it up. <laughs> Here's my it that panties. Way, but I'm in love with your brain. If you were to see Charles during that time, like he actually wasn't a horrible looking guy. And no, in that hippie yeah, time, he was right. like. The the poster child of, right. of hippie love with his for sure chest hair and his long beard, his chest flowing. Hair. I'm so glad we're out of that style. Yeah, everyone. It was a hairy time. It was. <laughs> it really That's why was. I was not born then. God knew I would not thrive. <laughs> so later, Charles actually accused the Beach Boys of stealing one of his songs that he had been working yeah. on from their 1969 album. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll never know the truth, but he was adamant that this was his song. Yes. But yeah. they had put it on their album, the Beach Boys had. And Charles actually did get to audition with a well-known producer, but unfortunately, the, the producer wasn't interested and kind of snubbed Charles. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want your hippie music. So <laughs> he, he didn't get his big break. Again, no. more rejection. Right. So, But he still has his harem. He He's does. got his hair on a lady still he at does this have time, his ladies. feeding into that ego. And he was and starting the chest hair. And the, the beard is plentiful. Mm-hmm. The chest hair is flowing. 
It got thicker with every woman he added to the harem. It did. And so he's starting to accumulate his little group at this mm-hmm. time. Are you ready to start talking about the cult? I'm re- Let's hold on. Let me adjust my seat. Okay. Get yourself comfy. I am. So. The cult. The cult. So as we had mentioned, Charles was starting to get into this like deep philosophical guru persona yes and people are eating it up and and they're starting to listen to what he has to say and he's very charismatic and charming he is from what i remember reading about him and there's various people that that touch on that that it was just so easy to fall into his trance Mm -hmm. yeah and trance is a good word for it i struggle with that in seeing some of the clips that i have viewed of charles do i Yes. The man is not making much sense to me. No, no. But apparently when you're on LSD. I was just going to say, it could be the fact brilliant. that you have all your faculties about you as to why you're not falling under the trance. But yes, I get actually, a psychedelic drug in there and he oh may yeah. seem, first of all, much taller. Yes. But then there, just, that's where the extra five inches came came in. <laughs> the LSD actually makes me taller, guys. Yep. And I did note in here, too, I really wonder how much of, of this all was contributed to them literally being on LSD and drugs constantly. I, I would put money on it that it was a majority of it. It was a huge part yes. of their cult. I mean, and, and who he was. And there's even an interview with one of the females, and she talks about that too later on, that how much the drugs really was was the influence. Yeah. We kind of are toying with a part two of this, which we'll talk about later, because I wanted to touch on some of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But the drugs, I think, played a huge part in all of this. I agree. So the cult that Charles created around himself was referred to as the family, mm-hmm. the Manson family. I was just going to say, that's not creepy at all. The reason for him starting this cult was that he hoped to use them to bring about an Armageddon war through basically starting a race war. He wanted a race war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Disgusting. he created this project, and he he called the the title of it was Helter Skelter, which is a Beatles song. Yes, um, from 1968, I I believe, and we'll come back to Helter Skelter. Oh yeah, here, Helter Skelter here in a comes little back. Bit. So the deep philosophical beliefs that created the basis for this cult and its followers. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Hit me with it <laughs> again. Thinking about the LSD, because I'm like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, how could anybody have been like, yeah, <laughs> this sounds reasonable. I wish you guys could see Amber's face. She literally just did her best. I'm on LSD and that's amazing face. I, I'm worried if your it was eyes, that impressive. That was, that, that was interesting. I'm starting to question For the record, some of your I've recreation. Never no. LSD. <laughs> Manson believed that once African-Americans rose up against white people, this would be like an end of times race war. Mm -hmm. And he and his family, which consisted mostly of women, there were there were some men would be the only ones left standing in its conclusion. And again, people are like, oh, yeah. Out of everyone in the world, we'll be the only ones left. Yep, and so everybody's like, okay, rock on. Man. We love, we love you, Charlie. You're so brilliant. Thank God we found Charlie when we did. And and it's amazing because what? 
I read that he, I mean, he had his core group, which we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. but he had a hundred followers oh, or more. Like yeah. people were buying into this. It was a significant group of people. For sure. So I mean, a sign- I meant a significant amount of people that would buy into this. Absolutely. And I, so I'm reading this and I'm like, no way. There's no way people were buying into this. No, they were. <laughs> there Very were 10 people. So. 10 people. No, he had hundreds. Yep. Yeah. He had quite a few followers. And I, I mean, I agree still with you even. though. I really think it was the influence of the drugs. I do too. That's what I have to tell myself for humanity's sake because, good God. So the family believed that they could quicken this timeline by carrying on the murders of celebrities and pinning them on African Americans Mm -hmm. so that people would take notice. Right. And then the war was, the race war would start. Yes. So that's where the the idea for these murders came about. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we'll start the war faster this way yeah it's gonna happen one way or another but we're just gonna light a fire to yeah, it and we'll get things going yeah by killing people so after being evicted from dennis's mansion mm-hmm. i don't know if i say dennis's dennis Den- it's not dennis i so dennis i the plural form right <laughs> so after they were kicked out of the mansion the family uh, established, I always like to use the quotes when I say the family. I know, I see that. They established their headquarters at the Spawn Ranch mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Their headquarters. The headquarters, yes. Some people would call it a home. Amber's like, it's the their headquarters. headquarters. Their fake family headquarters. The fam- It's just so creepy to me that it, it was the family. The family. Mm-hmm. So I, the quotes help me to cope with that they became acquaintances with the ranch owner named george spawn when they arrived at the ranch george was actually 81 years old oh shit george was probably like i've had a good run sure you and your harem can come y'all look shady but i'm gonna give you a chance (laughs) so they had some kind of understanding that charles and the girls would do work for him, mm-hmm. various favors um, for George. Oh, I'm sure to the stay girls the had to do all kinds of favors for good old George. He sounds, wanted to go out with a bang. Yeah, sounds like there were lots of favors for George. And I just want to say that mm. at 81, George was still living his best life, getting some <laughs> sexual favors from these ladies. Hey, I guess they came to him. Power to, they yeah. came to him. He saw an opportunity and he took it. Charlie would spend time with George. He would talk about his philosophy. Sure, and sure. Share his LSD. And the girls would take care of the horses and, and George and sexual favors mm-hmm. for George. Take care of the horses and take care of George. So one of the girls named Lynette Fromm, she was kind of like VIP status with George. Right. And she would allegedly have sex with him. So she got access to like the main <laughs> cabin. Your face. She would allegedly have sex with him. <laughs> I she think, did. She boned him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I think she denied it or he did. But yeah. come on. Yeah. We were not born in one of those barns of yours, George. <laughs> so <laughs> this is icky. Um, so this is one of uh, Charles Manson's kind of. Like one of his main followers. If you've ever heard of Squeaky From. Uh huh. Squeaky. Yeah. I know so what she... you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, this is icky, guys. So she got her nickname from George because when he would touch her, like, thigh area, she would squeak yeah. when he did that. So he yeah. is the one that gave her the name. But you know, if an 81 year old is touching <laughs> my thigh, I am probably squeaking too, but it's not yeah. out of pleasure. It's I'm out of like, ick. 
what kind of squeak are we talking? I don't want to know. There but are, I, I was just going like, to say, are you about to imitate some squeaks? Because I in, almost did. In my head, refrain. in my head, I was trying to Is picture. Like a hamster? Are we talking? Right, like, right. So weird. What kind of, what kind of squeak? Like, eh, yes. No, no, Jory. <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> I don't know. I don't right. know. But that is where the nickname came from. But And I Squeaky didn't know that until I started researching. We always have heard that name because she's one of the main followers. Yeah. But I never knew that's how she got the name. It's pretty. High thigh. Yeah. She got it from some high <laughs> thigh. High thigh. <laughs> yes. Get over so. here, squeaks. I can just see them, you know. Yeah. Squeaks. <laughs> Come here, squeaks. Come here, squeaks. I'm going to touch your thigh. But yeah, so George got his... Yeah. They got theirs. I got to stay at the ranch. And it sounds like the ranch was a pretty drug-infested or- orgy. LSD orgy. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the clan, which and we're going to talk about. There was a lot of people. That's your thing. You guys live your best life. That's fine. But please don't murder people. I know. If they would have just it, stuck, stuck to right, the hippie love. To the free love. Absolutely. But they couldn't do that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the gang and the gang. So every cult has to have their dedicated foundation of course. that holds it together. And I'm so not sure because every cult attempt that I've tried has piddled out. But <laughs> One day. I guess I needed to research a little bit more. You just need a better foundation. How, I'm the same size as Charles. How do I not have a cult yet? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Again, many followers, many people, but there was that like small group that really, I believe they were like his girlfriends at yeah. the time, like his main girls. They were the board. They were on the board. To yes, the they cult. were on the board for the cults. <laughs> so it, that's what you need. You need a board. I do. I got to start there. It'll need board members. better that way. Now taking emails for board members. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about the, the main girls that we're going to be talking about. Especially with the the murders. So we have Leslie Van Houten. Mm-hmm. And she actually dropped out of school and ran away just to join the yep. Manson family. She was an active participant in the murders. She also actively tried to get parole as well. And she has been denied every single yep. time. We have Patricia Krenwinkel. Yes, I do believe that you AKA are. AKA Big Patty. Big Patty. She also went by the name of Katie. I don't know where they got all the nicknames from, but... Big Patty, if you if you ever call me Big Amber, I'm not gonna like it. <laughs> like, why would you? I don't know. Hold on, because this is the perfect time to tell you guys that one time, in the middle of the night, my husband was asleep and called me Big Cheryl, <laughs> and I never <laughs> let him forget about it. Oh no, I swear to God. Really? Yes, yes. Alcohol may have been involved, but he was. It's like three in the morning, and I needed him to scoot over, and he said, he goes what cheryl and i said what did you just call me Come he goes again sir he goes <laughs> big cheryl i was <laughs> like oh yo it was the next day and i was so he's mad still alive. yeah and he's okay in his defense charnel and cheryl in a sleepy stupor okay can sound a lot alike okay he i will give not that. have any ex-girlfriends named cheryl that he remembers <laughs> I, I will give him that. Charnel, Cheryl, it's pretty yeah. close. And especially when you're like slurring and tired and I woke his ass up like it's three in the morning. Yeah. So I can't promise you I won't make reference to Big Cheryl after this. But um, we exchange Christmas presents to and from Big Cheryl. I love it. <laughs> it's That's a awesome. whole funny thing that we say now. <laughs> that is awesome. So proceed, Big Patty. Yeah. So we have Big Patty again. Very key in these murders. She was one of the main participants. She also has just a real weird actual last name. 
She does. So I can see why they had to shorten that shit. So she's the one that uh, ends up writing death to pigs and Mm -hmm. um, helter skelter and blood (laughs) on the walls. But Patty couldn't do her job. She um, couldn't. She was assigned the job to write Helter Skelter in she Blood. She had one job. One. What and did she, she write? She ended up misspelling it as Hilter Skelter. <laughs> Hilter Skelter. <laughs> they were trying to make this big statement writing in the victim's blood and she misspelled the word Which of their mission. goes to show you should not be murdering people when you can't even execute. Absolutely. The grammatical part of the plan. So, yeah. So Skelter, Skelter. She misspelled the word. And it's, I mean, it was a horrific act, but they they couldn't write their, and this was their mission. The Helter Skelter right. was like their yeah. project. And so she misspelled it and ruined it all. But um, she has been denied parole 17 times to this day. And I actually, after I wrote this, I believe it's even more now. Because oh, I think okay. this was around 2017. And I think she's tried okay. even more. Since then, yeah. yeah. So Squeaky Can you from, just imagine, were they like, when they figured all that out, do you think they were like, God damn it, Patty, you had one job. <laughs> I bet you they were. Because I know I would have been. And I bet you when they came off all of the drugs, they were like, oh God, <laughs> Helter Skelter's not real. What have we done? Right, like, for sure. Can you imagine? No, yeah. And Helter Skelter's even more not real. Yeah, exactly. So Squeaky from real name Lynette she was actually not a part of the murderers right the murders but she was a huge follower and she was writing a book about the Manson family at the time but when everything happened she squashed the book because she's like this could be incriminating people don't want to hear from squeaks right (laughs) oh squeaks Susan Adkins another very active main participant in the murders a majority of them she's the one that wrote pig on the door in Sharon Tate's blood and she admitted Uh, To being the one who stabbed Sharon Tate, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, Mary Brunner, she was actually the first recruit for the cult. And she was in a relationship with Manson. She actually gave birth to another one of his sons named Valentine Michael. So she was not linked to any of the murders because she was actually incarcerated at the time they happened. Okay. However, when her mans got caught... Mary and two other people stole weapons and they were going to apparently try to hijack a plane. Oh, yes, yes. And they were going to kill one person every hour until... They uh, released him, re- right? They released him. Yeah, yeah. They got caught. It didn't happen. What? I know. Oh. She was actually given six more years for that. The next person we have is Linda Casbian. She joined the Manson family with her young daughter in 1969. Oh, CPS referral. What? <laughs> um, just saying during the Tate murders Linda was actually instructed to gather supplies and kind of be the lookout so she didn't actually partake in the murders she was waiting outside and heard the screams and apparently Linda's the one that she wanted to stop them like she started to not feel right about this happening so she's one in the group that almost had a conscience like maybe her high was wearing off I was just gonna say they didn't give her enough LSD right so she actually had thought about intervening but her her daughter was actually back at the the headquarters right so she feared an acting overstepping something happening to her daughter so she did later become a key witness and testify against them. okay so maybe she did have a conscience well, th- thank god one of these broads right <laughs> i shouldn't say broads 
<laughs> it was funny. Very disrespectful. You, you can say it. But so thank God, like she did leave, and mm-hmm. she was like, "Okay, I'm not. This is too much for me." Catherine Kitty Lutzinger. She was with the family, but not involved in the murders. And she did apparently try to leave the family a few times. But we know how easy it is to leave cults. Well, right. Um. So we have Catherine Gypsy Share, and she holds her innocence to involve any involvement with the murders. But she was one that talked about how easy it was to get wrapped up with Charles Manson and his hypnotizing words mm. and how he just had this hold over people. Tex Watson was another member of the Manson family. He was one of the... Good old Tex. The, yeah, good old Tex. He was obviously not one of the ladies, but key participant mm-hmm. in these murders that we're going to talk about. So now that we've met the family... If we've met the family. And again, this is like the core group. He had so many right. Just so you guys know, when I form a cult, you can leave it at any time. I won't be creepy about it's it. It's really nice of you to give a free choice yeah. of matter. Yeah. We're going to go back to Helter Skelter just briefly here because it's a big part of the yeah. operation. As we mentioned, it's a very popular Beatles song that mm-hmm. they were going to use to start this start their race, their race war. Yeah. Charles also interpreted this song about being about an Armageddon. Yeah. The Beatles, I even saw a couple of articles where they're like, yeah, we had nothing no. to do with this. Yes, stop. Or even like trying to blame the culture of the music yeah. and things like that. Like, no, you yeah. were responsible and for your own actions. Charles Manson was a huge Beatles fan, so he right. listened to the music all the time. So he did try to take that approach of like, oh, this music had power over me right and, you know it was the messages and the music Which, what do you what are you gonna do you think you're gonna get out of that you think you're not gonna go to prison when you kill people because music made you do it because there are millions of other people that have listened to that song and haven't went right. and killed people to start race wars i think he was hoping he had a chance in august of 1969 charles commanded four of his most loyal followers to embark on a two-day massacre seven people were killed in that two days five of them being at the home of the Hollywood director, Roman Polanski. We could get into Roman's Dirt in a separate little mini. For sure. Episode. Mm -hmm. But we won't today. So this included his pregnant wife, Sharon Tate. And I just want to add, Sharon was so beautiful. I know. Like, so pretty. She was gorgeous. She was. She, it just, yeah, so sad. But I saw some pictures of her and it was just like, she just was like, she was perfect. Vibrant. And yeah. Then the following day, they murdered another couple. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. It's Leno or Leno. I think it's Leno. Leno and Rosemary LeBlanca. Mm-hmm. So on the night of August, it was kind of like between 8th and 9th. It was late at night, um, 1969 in Los Angeles. The four members of the Manson family entered the rented home of Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. Roman was not home because he was working on a film in Europe at the time. Sharon was home with a couple friends. I believe it sounds like they were all sleeping at the time. It was kind of in the middle of the night. And wasn't she about eight months pregnant? She was like eight and a half. Yeah, she was grossly pregnant. Yes, very, very pregnant at the time. So the murders were committed by Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Krenwink under the direction of charles manson and linda again was she was present but she wasn't she was outside inside Mm -hmm. for the murders sharon as i had mentioned she'd gone out with a few friends that day they were by the pool they went and got food it was like a normal good day she took a nap rightfully so she was very pregnant because she was growing a human baby in her body so sometime in the early morning the mansons climbed over the driveway gate and they launched their savage attack first they saw 
Stephen Parent, who this was odd to me because it sounds like it was late at night, but he was leaving. He had tried to come and sell a clock radio to the estate's caretaker. So he was outside at the time and they came upon him first. They ended up shooting him. Mm-hmm. So he was out in the yard. Okay. They went inside and that's where they killed the four other victims. The victims included in this attack were Sharon's friend and hairstylist Jay Sebring. I think she also had a relationship with him previously, mm-hmm. um, but they were friends at the time. Polanski's aspiring screenwriter, and I don't know how to say this name again. I'm sorry. Uh, Wojciech Fryowski? Not um, sure. And then Fryowski's girlfriend, Abigail Folger. She's the heiress to the Folger's Coffee oh, fortune. Oh, yeah, that's right. Was. I forgot about that. So those were the victims that were involved in this this murder. I actually, I read that the music producer, Quincy Jones, was actually supposed to go that night. Yes, and I had read that by, too. And mm-hmm. he didn't end up going. Yep. So the Manson clan cut the power to the house upon entering and they cut the screen out of out of one of the windows to enter they told Caspian to keep a lookout Fryowski and again I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names um, he was sleeping on the couch in the living room and he heard them coming in mm-hmm. and whispering and so he woke up and asked who it was who was there that's when Watson kicked him in the head and he said I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work oh how poetic freaking terrifying can you imagine waking no. up to that oh my gosh the three other occupants I of the house also just hate it when they say stupid shit right before they oh, harm somebody like they're you're not a badass yeah you're, you're a fucking disgusting. yeah the three other occupants they were found and they were brought out into the main area of the house Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring were tied together by their necks. And when Jay, he was protesting the way they were treating Sharon, who was very pregnant at the time. So they end up shooting him for sticking up for, for Sharon. And probably just to shut him up. Yeah. Abigail Folger was taken into the back bedroom just briefly and she gave the murderer $70. And she actually was able to skate, escape momentarily. She ran out of the house, made it to like the pool area, and freaking Big Patty caught Ugh. up to Abigail. I hate Big Patty. Uh, me too. So she caught up to Abigail in the front lawn, and that's where Watson came to assist, and they stabbed her. Okay. She was stabbed over 28 times. Oh my God. And she was brutally murdered. 28 I times? Know. I know. Fryowski, he was a- also able to get free just briefly. However, he was stabbed by Watson in the front lawn. It sounds like he got out just a little bit. He was stabbed a total of 51 times. Oh, Jesus. And he was struck 13 times in the head with Watson's gun. Ugh. And it sounds like this man put a fight up. Yeah. Like he tried Aww. to get away. Yeah. But he was also horrifically murdered. Sharon Tate was, was in the house and she begged for her life and she was begging them to just let her live long enough to have this baby. Mm-hmm. And she was stabbed 16 times. And she mm. did not survive, and the baby did not survive right. either. I know it was all under the direction of Charles Manson, but when you're the one carrying out these acts, and when you hear numbers like 28 and 50, what was it, 51? 51 and times. 16, that's more than just Charles Manson wants these people dead. I agree with you completely. That is enjoyment. That is power. That is no longer just getting a job because, honestly, shooting somebody quick, they could have made the deaths quick to get their point across of, you know, starting their race war or whatever. Oh, absolutely. The way they did this was just so brutal. It was brutal. And they enjoyed it. And they did. And and you're right. I mean, yes, they were under his influence, but But he wasn't even there. Yeah, he wasn't there. And they did this on their own. Yep. And the fact that they could do it, even yep. with this 
dangerous little man telling them. Right. You know, and they didn't even once consider, like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Right. Even after one stab, you don't have any, like, thought of, oh, my God, wait. Yeah. No. You enjoyed all of it and deserve all the repercussions. Agreed. So Charles Manson had instructed them to leave something witchy on the front door, like some kind of sign or message. So Atkins wrote pig on the door in Sharon Tate's blood. Very witchy, I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know that that... But that's the best they could come up with. Also, that's offensive to witches. It is. I'm just... They would never do that. So apparently Charles was not pleased with the previous operation and how much panic was involved with the murders of Sharon Tate and her friends. They were messy. Oh, I'm sorry. Murder is messy, Charles. How do you... So Charles was not happy. Oh. He decided this time he was going to go. I can picture the little king from Shrek. (laughs) Oh, my God. Lord Farquaad. I'm so perfect. I'm sorry, Lord Farquaad, that murder is messy. Give that man a set of bangs, and we've got a winner. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody to put him up on his horse for him because he can't get there himself. So little man... Little man was not happy. He decided he was going to come along this time mm-hmm. to oh, show to his followers sure. how yeah, to do it this right. This is how we do it. Yeah. So he came along and it sounded like they were kind of driving around and there were various murders considered before they ended up deciding on going to this residence. Awesome. Um, so he was thinking of like other people to maybe hit up and, and Can you kill. imagine just having that? Like, oh, I, know. I drive around and try to figure out where the hell I'm going to eat. Right. They're just driving around like, who looks the easiest to murder tonight? Yeah. They ended up, Ugh. Charles decided to, he he told Caspian to drive to 3301 Waverly Drive. And this was the home of Leno and, and Ras- Raspberry. <laughs> Leno and Rosemary. And apparently he knew this address because they had been to a party previously Okay. Before earlier that year, he's like, "All right, this is where we're we're going." According to Tex Watson, Charles went in and woke up Leno, uh, who was sleeping on the couch, and he he woke him up at gunpoint, and he instructed Watson to tie him up, which he did using, and this is what the the article quoted, a leather thong. I have questions, but I'm not really sure what that an means. actual leather thong. Yeah, that's or, what that's the description. I was like, I have so many questions, but they there were no answers for me. Did they ask? Did one of them take it off? Like, was I it need used? Your was it right? Like a well, description for another? There? Help us, please, listeners. Yes. Is leather thong just a general, a like a term for term? a leather strap? I don't right. know. Regardless, um, still mm. horrific mm-hmm. what what they were doing. So Leno was tied up and Rosemary was taken from the bedroom and she was also tied up. Manson instructed Watson to cover their heads with pillowcases and then he's like, okay, I'm, my work's done here. And I did find an You've article. Taken it, we, I've helped you this yeah, far. Yeah, I've showed you what to do. I did read an article that he had told the couple that they wouldn't be hurt Mm-hmm. But after leaving, he told the other two that were waiting outside to go ahead and needed to be killed. Right. Rosemary was taken back into the bedroom after the other two women entered. Watson proceeded to stab Leno with a chrome-plated bayonet. I'm not exactly yeah. sure what that is, but it sounds horrible. I'm However, he stabbing, so I'm going to say it's not great. Yeah, it's not not good. He heard a ruckus in the other room with Rosemary, so he stopped You know, his brutal mm. attack oh, of Leno okay. to go see what was going on. And Rosemary was swimming, swimming, and Rosemary was swinging the lamp that 
I believe was tied around her neck. So oh. she was like swinging in at the oh the other awesome. girls. Yeah. yeah, good for her. Yeah, Watson intervened and then it proceeded to, her. to stab Rosemary. Because the girls are fuck-ups and just can't get this done. Exactly. I guess Manson left just a little too soon. These people are so disgusting. I know. It's just, it's so horrific to actually hear about the murders. And full disclosure, before I researched this case, I didn't know all of these yeah. details. It's it's just, I think it, it really paints a picture. to me. Because I feel like this case is almost, I don't want to say idolized, but there's a fascination there is, with him and there case. shouldn't be because it's so fucking stupid. Exactly. So when you hear the details of what they did. It's nonsense. It, when you just picture this group of people not knowing what the hell they're doing, just this disorganized, following the leader, dumbasses. Yes. That are taking people's lives. That's a good lives. word, dumbasses. I mean, it is pathetic. And just the way that they did it was so <sighs> brutal. You know, these poor people had done nothing. No, right. I mean, Watson, he he stabbed Rosemary several times and then he goes back to finish mm-hmm. Leno off in the other room. When Watson returned to the bedroom, he saw Big Patty stabbing Rosemary. And apparently Charles Manson had instructed Watson that the all the girls were supposed to participate in the murders. So he Ugh. told Van Houten to join in. Okay. So she proceeds to start stabbing Rosemary and stabbed her 16 times in the back. And later when she testified, she tried to say that when she was stabbing Rosemary, that Rosemary was already dead, which that did prove to be true. Mm-hmm. But that was so her argument. Didn't like, I didn't kill, actually kill her. I didn't her. kill her. I just basically mutilated a dead body. But that almost just really pissed me off to read because it's like yep, you're still she disgusting thinks, yeah she's trying to pull hairs at the law yeah, exactly essentially you still stabbed a woman yeah you no still matter. brutally attacked her and oh. i don't know that that they knew she was dead or not i'm not well, really no. sure right exactly is there a reasoning why charles wanted to make sure that all those women got their hands dirty you know, I didn't see anything on that. I, w- I would be curious to research that a little bit more. I just wonder, is there a sexual fascination to this with him connected? Or was it the power or is control? Or it just power like control? I, I think it's just the power and control. I, I kind of lean that way myself. They didn't sexually assault any of these victims, did they? No, they I didn't. I didn't think so. I didn't remember that being a piece of it. After the killings, Big Patty wrote Rise and Death to Pigs on the Walls. Obviously, in the LaBianca's blood. How poetic of you, Patty. More witchy sayings from their leader. Manson had went back safely to the ranch. Oh, when all of this was happening. Yeah, my work here is done. Lord Farquaad is out. Yeah, he's back there, just you know, in his little safety nest, Mm -hmm. and he left the murderers to walk home. Jesus. What a good leader. What a thoughtful leader. Because later he would convince them he was teaching them a lesson and that their walk home was somehow therapeutic and purposeful and philosophical. Blah, and I'm blah, sure blah. they ate it all up. Yeah. The Manson family actually... They wanted to commit another murder that night. Charles Manson had asked them to commit another murder. It was an actor at his apartment. I didn't find the name of that person. So this is the one that Casbian purposely sabotaged by Mm -hmm. walking up to the the wrong door. And after she did that, they aborted the mission. But don't worry, because before they left, Susan Atkins took a nice healthy dump in the stairway before leaving. Oh, isn't that disgusting? It is. When you gotta go, you gotta, you gotta go, go, Amber. 
Maybe too much fiber that day. I don't too know. Too much excitement. When I'm in Hobby Lobby, sometimes it makes me have to go because I get excited. So <laughs> Well, next time. I'm going to say <laughs> that she got too excited and she couldn't hold it Ma- Yeah, maybe the, the thrill of the murders really yeah. got the the bowels a churning. Uh, uh-huh. Also further proof that she's enjoying it as far as I'm concerned. Right. So Gross. she did leave a steaming load on the staircase before they left so disgusting i could never just poop openly in public like that i'm wondering how they found that out like did she later say yeah it was that hey remember that pile of crap i'm the one that took that was me okay but you know whatever she apparently was very proud of her poop she must have been going into the investigation a little bit after all of these things had taken place so the tate murders were a big deal oh yeah this was like this made nationwide news yeah celebrities were terrified other celebrities thinking like right next i mean people were were really scared when all of this had happened so the housekeeper had arrived for work the next morning at the tate uh Mm. polanski Mm -hmm. rental house and she discovered the crime scene. Oh, how horrific. Can you imagine? No. You're just going in for your shift. Right. And you, there's five people slaughtered. No. Obviously traumatized for life after walking up on that. And there's so many directions we can go with the aftermath of this case. Right. We don't have all of the time right mm-hmm. now. But, you know, many things, like I said, Ro- Roman Polanski's another conversation. Right. Maybe if we talk about a part two, we could get into right. more of those details. We might be able to do a bonus episode sometime getting into those deets. Yeah. So in this part made me so sad. The LaBianca murders, they were discovered by Rosemary's 15-year-old son. He had mm. returned from a camping trip. And so he got to the home about 10.30 a.m. the next morning, and he saw that things looked a little bit in disarray, Mm -hmm. and so he was suspicious that something had happened. So he didn't actually go in. He called, I believe it was his brother-in-law, and told him, I think something's happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the shades were, like, ripped open, and it just looked like something suspicious had happened. So his brother-in-law came over, and they went in together, and they found Leno, who was the son's um, stepfather. Right. They found him first, and then they immediately notified the police. Okay. So the police ended up finding Rosemary. I'm glad that this I'm glad poor didn't child find, didn't yeah. Yeah, Bad find his mother. that he found his stepdad. And being 15, uh. that just made my heart sink when yeah. I read it. Originally, when these murders took place, the police actually didn't think the two crimes were connected because mm-hmm. they were separate you know on separate days however when they did begin to look into a little a little bit they thought okay the bloody writings mm-hmm. on the walls maybe there's a connection and we still don't know what the fuck helter skelter right. <laughs> right who are these people they can't spell you know it, it amazes me and I, again it's a totally different time but how they didn't think they were connected right away but they were in different town you know, I know. I thought locations. the same thing, but it does take different jurisdictions to talk to one another. But it was and that's what it took. News, but yeah, oh. so they didn't know right away. Yeah. They didn't make those links. So originally, the police didn't have any leads, thinking the Manson family had anything to do with this or linking them to any of these crimes. But the Manson family were committing other crimes. And the Spawn Ranch was actually raided a few weeks after the murders, but not for that reason. Yeah. 
it was raided because they were stealing cars and doing other bullshit. Things. I don't want to say petty crimes, but no, you know, but yeah, significant crimes. It wasn't murder. So they raided the place, and members of the Manson family were arrested. There was actually multiple raids in about October of 1969. So many of the family members were arrested around that time. Susan Atkins was actually the one. Uh, one of the main people that threw herself under the bus. So she was in jail for something else, and she ended up confessing to a few of her other cellmates that she had been a part of the Sharon Tate murders oh. and linked herself to those murders. Just couldn't help herself, huh? I, I, I really imagine she was bragging. Mm-hmm. I That's do. what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Thankfully, these cellmates ended up Being like, telling, hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got a little info for yeah. you. Of course, they could use that to their advantage, too. Like, you want to put me up for parole if I give you some deets? Oh, yeah. So they ratted her right out for what she had told them. Then some of the evidence started to make sense after they were getting, you know, this tip that there could be a connection. At the time, most of the Manson family were already in jail for the other crimes. All the robberies and so stuff. So it was just a matter of connecting them to the, murders, to the murders, which they were able to do. And again, like I said, there's a lot of pieces of information. This was a part where I kind of just decided to move where you forward. To back off. So that we can end the show at some point in time. Correct. So people <laughs> aren't listening for all of eternity. Adkins was quick to throw Charles Manson right under yes, the bus. Yes. Um, she did agree to testify against him. And her testimony did lead to Manson's arraignment for the murders on December 11th, 1969. She did recant her testimony. So her deal to avoid the death penalty that she was trying to get, it was revoked because she later was like, oh, wait, mm -hmm. I didn't mean it. But Mm -hmm. too little, too late. Right. No more dumps on the (laughs) staircase, Sorry, that's the last poop on a staircase you're going to (laughs) take. Linda Casbian, who actually hadn't entered any of the houses, she was granted full immunity to mm-hmm. testify for the prosecution, and she did agree to do so. Full immunity, though? I, God. I mean, I get it that she kind of was the one having second thoughts, but she still but was she a part was of it. But she was there. She was a part Twice. of it. She still agreed to this, even during all their LSD philosophical bullshit. Right, at no when the time. plan was coming into play. Right. There was no time where she was like, oh, but this is all hypothetic, hypothetical, right, guys? Yeah. So I have she mixed feelings knew, about know, that, the total immunity for that as well. I know. They have to have bargaining chips, but yeah. The trial, talking about that a little bit, the Manson trial was very, very uh, chaotic. Yes. It was a it shit was a show. It was a shit show for it, sure. It was. Charles Manson tried to represent himself. However, that was <laughs> denied. Um, apparently, he was initi- initially granted propria persona rights mm-hmm. and so the judge apparently allowed him some kind of voice for himself yes. at first right until he heard him speak until he started speaking yes and so the the judge it was judge william keen at the time he grew very tired of manson's daily theatrics uh-huh. yep and, and making it and probably all the little pedestals that they had to put up there for him to even stand on so that the courtroom yes, could see he's him so so oh, tiny uh-huh. there were daily attempts from manson to deflect to oh yeah um you know stall the case to stall testimony and so the judge did eventually force him to work with a lawyer charles was all sorts of drama queen and you, and you guys should look into interviews and stuff that he says because it is nonsense at its finest 
Oh, it really is. Um, it's almost comical that he is so ridiculous. He makes if he wasn't a murderous bastard. Absolutely no sense. No, it's like stuff he's saying this is needs to be the ad campaign for why you shouldn't do drugs. Drugs are bad. They and this kill, is why they fry your brain. Remember those old school commercials about the egg frying? Yes, that's his brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, if we do a part two, I wanted to play a couple of the clips of him going on his rants because they are, mm-hmm. some of them, is, it's just gibberish and yeah. some of it is just like maybe him trying to be philosophical. No and sense. it makes no sense because the no rest sense. of the world's not high on LSD. Right. So one of the things that Charles Manson was actually successful in doing is getting the judge replaced in his case. And, and he was actually replaced by another judge named Charles Older who ended up overseeing the trial okay the other judge was probably all too happy to oh absolutely it's probably like please let (laughs) Let me me out and it was like the whole time was just this big complete he tried to attack the judge Mm -hmm. at one point there's a sketch of him like jumping at the judge and the guards are grabbing him what are you gonna do tiny or the drawing i mean (laughs) they look small it's to scale (laughs) (laughs) highlighting some of the antics that charles tried in the trial he had a copy of the Constitution and crumpled it up and threw it in the tr- in the trash to be dramatic. He was cursing and oh shouting at the judge. Lord. He was screaming at Caspian and trying to intimidate her during her testimony, which I think wow. that he used that tactic a lot just to deflect from everything. And I've seen that with clients too, like yep. make a big scene so yes. I don't, so you don't get to confront me about my right you know involvement and and everything. But really, all it does is just make. It solidifies, right? Just completely solidifying everything they're saying against you, buddy. Yep. He actually, during that time, also put the X on his forehead. Oh, I forgot about the X. Yeah, saying that he was X'd out of this world. Yes, yes. Um, And he later did turn this into a swastika. Mm -hmm. And actually, family members and followers the next day returned to court with that X carved into Mm -hmm. their head as well. Which I cannot imagine following anybody that like intensity, that like oh i'm gonna put i'm gonna engrave an x in my head too so oh. ridiculous during the trial the manson clan and the followers were also chanting in the court as yes. well so it was just mass chaos mm-hmm. for this this trial so the helter skelter theory was brought up in testimony by nu- numerous followers the ones that had to testify to the murders and so they all kind of had the same story about this helter-skelter plan that, you know, the goal was to start a race war and that the followers would be hiding when the war occurred and that some type of, they'd have some type of pit in the desert that they would hide mm-hmm. in until the war was over. And so apparently there were followers roaming around the Death Valley after the murders, waiting for the war, I guess, or to find the pit. It's Oh my god. So enough people were testifying. You wake up in the morning and you're like, you know what, I better go to Death Valley oh, just time in case for it's the, time to yeah. get in the bunker. And that's what they were doing. And it's important that we cover this because most of the followers had the same story and Charles' defense in this was that I didn't actually kill anyone, and these people misunderstood my prophecies, and Uh they did this on their own. Right. But there were enough people that were like, yeah, he said, you know, the helter-skelter plan. Wait a second. They all had pretty much the same storyline, so his um, defense didn't really work. It's weird how leaders say one thing, and then when they're in trouble, turn around and do something different. Throw all their followers. Huh. 
Yep. It's odd how that happens. I know. Susan Adkins, Patricia Krenwinkle, and Leslie Van Houten were fully prepared to take the blame for these murders, which just blows my mind. Mm. And they were also going to blame some of it on Tex Watson. So the defense lawyers didn't even present a theory defending Manson because they knew these three later three ladies were going to intentionally incriminate themselves. Right. Which oh infuriated Manson that this happened, that they didn't even have a like a defense yeah. for him. So in January of 1971, Charles Manson, Susan Adkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van Houten were all convicted on all counts of murder. Hallelujah. Yeah. Tex mm-hmm. Watson was tried separately from them, but also convicted. convicted. So each one of them received the death sentence at the time. However, that was changed to life in prison after California eliminated the death penalty. Okay in 1972 adkins died of brain cancer in prison in 2009 i don't know if she was in the hospital at the time of the death but she lived the rest of her life in prison van houten was actually nominated for parole a couple times but she has been denied every time and actually in 2020 denied again and the governor basically implied that she yes may have demonstrated improvements to qualify for parole but the nature of the crimes right. not happening. Sorry. Yeah. We know what happens Bye, when Leslie. we let violent assholes out of prison. Yep. So the governor's like, what you did, you're still a danger yeah. to society. Yep. And so she's been Well, denied. especially since there still are Manson followers. I have a hard time with that word. Followers. What's to say you don't get out and just start all this family bullshit up again? It, oh, absolutely. Watson and Krenwinkle have also both repeatedly been denied parole. Mm-hmm. They have tried countless times, and they remain in prison as well. Good. And I'm very happy to hear that. And let's not forget that Susan Atkins and Leslie Van Houten and Patricia Big Patty, they were all cheerfully singing and skipping on their way to court. Like, they had no remorse. It was crazy, the shit that they did during that trial. Singing at the top of their lungs, they're holding hands, they're skipping. They were just immature little fucking children oh yeah and so it's you know remembering those things as they're trying to get parole all of these years they didn't feel bad for not, what they had done nope, not at all not at all they were acting they crazy enjoyed during being the trial on display and, uh-huh absolutely i'm i'm happy that they all yep remain in prison and again so much information that we can cover Mm-hmm. Maybe in a part two. So moving on to Charles, he was also sentenced to life in mm-hmm. prison. He was denied parole nine times, and he was he was going to be eligible again in April of 2027. However, Charles Manson did die of natural causes at the age of 83 on November 19th, 2017, just after his birthday. Jeez. That's where I'm going to leave this. Manson's story does not end here. There's many Oh, gosh. There's areas. so much, yeah, details. The family, his children, the followers. There's so many things that we can cover. But for today, I'm going to leave us at that point. That where sounds good to me. We've got the, the basics. We know he was crazy. And it's so widely covered by other places that we just didn't want to give the same information you know, right. all over again and whatnot so if we get enough requests for it i think we could probably do a juicy number two or number two indeed <laughs> susan adkins <It> style <laughs> we can um <laughs> that was so epic. you know unscripted guys that's yes. not even on script 
we could probably put out a bonus episode when we get time. I, yes, I think too, that that so. would be a good idea, possibly in the near future, because like I said, the story doesn't end here, but no. we know that they were convicted. We know that they spent life in prison, and that yeah. makes me happy. Yes. We hope that you guys enjoyed Itty Bitty Teeny Weeny, your a psychopathic meanie week this week. And yes. before we get to Amber's brain bath, Next week's theme is going to be, do we know what next week's theme is? Are oh. we doing the murderous? We are, the mishaps, the murderous mishaps in Michigan. Yes. Yep. So that we do have a theme, theme picked out. So are stay you tuned ready for that. For I am so ready. Today's brain bath is, it's a good one. It's better than Heelter Skeelter. I was tempted to find another burglar. <laughs> burglar. Bur- I, I was tempted to find another burglarer. That is a weird word. It is. But I decided to mix it up a little bit. Okay. So I have a different case for you. So I'm just going to read ready. a little ditty from an article that I found. Two- oh, by the way, all of our sources will be linked in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, so many sources. And yeah. I, I don't think I mentioned them in this one just because there's so many, but I will. Yeah. They're all, all they're all there. So two Welsh tourists landed themselves in court in 2012 after they got drunk and stole a penguin called Dirk from SeaWorld sea in Australia. <laughs> Dirk the penguin? Poor Dirk. Oh, I love that no. his name is Dirk. I love that name for a penguin. I believe you say this Rise. It's R-H-Y-S. Rise okay. Owen Jones and Carrie Mules from Wales broke into a park in Queensland. When you were saying carry mules, I was thinking you were saying like you're gonna carry a mule. Oh, I, it took me a second. I wish that's what I was. Carry mules is a name. Okay. Yep. So those are their their names, carry mules. But it does sound like I'm gonna carry me. Yeah, some, a, some mules. Mule. So they swam with the dolphins. They let off a fire extinguisher in the shark enclosure. Before making it off with poor Dirk. Oh. So they had some fun. So this poor... Okay, swimming with the with the dolphins, I get. I would love that. I don't know why you have to release a fire extinguisher. Go do that in your own home. Completely unnecessary. Uh, like, that was just uncalled for. But then... So they took so Dirk. So here's little Dirk, just being his penguin self. Yep. And, they and all of a sudden, him. they just... Can you imagine being him? Just grabbed up, like... <laughs> it's like, okay. Where are we going? So when they woke up the next day hungover with a flightless bird (laughs) in their apartment, they tried their, it says incompetent best, tried their incompetent best to care for him by feeding him and putting him in the shower. Oh, shit. Poor Dirk. Oh, Dirk. He suddenly went from, from, well, captivity. Yeah, his captive habitat. Right. But. To then these two idiots who don't know that. Yes. So this is the part that makes me mad. So they obviously didn't know what to do with Dirk. So they later released him into a canal. Oh, no. Assholes. Like, no. He can't survive in that. They could have even done a Google search and figured out that he wouldn't be okay in there. Right. So that's the part where I'm like, not cool. Not cool, guys. Thankfully, they were spotted by some locals and reported. And yeah, so Dirk was saved. Oh, good. Dirk did return to the sea world. To his captivity. And he was un- unharmed, it says. Oh, so good. he did return safely. And the magistrate fi- at the court fined mm-hmm. them $1,000. 
and told them to drink a little less vodka next time. Vodka and SeaWorld do not mix. Bad combination. You will kidnap a penguin. So that's the story of little Dirk. That's all of our lesson today. Do not get drunk at SeaWorld and steal penguins. Do not steal penguins or uh, swim with the dolphins. Or let which off would be fire fun, extinguishers but. for no reason. I think that they have a thing that you can pay and swim at, with the dolphins. They do. You can pay for it. You can see the show. But these two live their best lives. And it was a funny story, except for that part where they release poor Dirk. Right. Like, but it's okay because you know, he Dirk's okay. He's he's safe. Yes, yes. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you um, follow us on our socials and comment on things because that helps uh, boost our algorithms so that other people can find us. So we're on Instagram at crime curious. We're on Facebook at curious. Excuse me. Facebook is crime curious podcast. And also, if you want to subscribe to our email list so that you know immediately when new episodes are released, just go to www.crimecuriouspodcast.com. We hope you keep it curious, and we hope you keep listening. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.